Some of you remember June Weichel. She was a neat lady. Uh, June Weichel, when I first came here, June Weichel was the one who mailed cards to everybody for their birthday and when they were sick and stuff, and you got a card from June Weichel. Um, I remember a house down the street had caught fire. We didn't know the people. And um, they, uh, you know, June had sent them cards. Another little girl down the street we had heard about was having some um, heart issues. And June Weichel sent them cards. Their parents came in one day, walked up to me, and they said, Who's June Weichel? Yeah. And I got that question several times. Uh, you know, this was before Barb Fisher took over, uh, when, when June then was unable to continue that. Barb Fisher stepped up and picked up that ministry. But I remember uh, one time June was in the hospital, and the first time I had to go see June uh, in the hospital. And this was before the HIPAA laws, you know, when they'd actually talk to you when you went to the... It's not their fault, you know, it's not their fault. They're following the law. So don't get ticked at the lady sitting or the guy sitting behind the desk. It's not their fault. I can't tell you who's there. But anyway... This was before those HIPAA laws, and I went in, and I asked to see June Weichel, and she looks through, and she says, don't have anybody with that name. I knew June was there. I mean, I, I, I knew she was at the hospital there, you know, and so I'm talking with them. Well, again, before HIPAA laws, and they're reading me some of the names, and they didn't have a June Weichel. They had a Dorothy Weichel. I was welcome to go up and peek in the room. This is way before the HIPAA laws, isn't it? I was welcome to go up and peek in the room and see if that was the same person. I thought, oh, what the heck? So I go up there and I peek in there. Sure enough, there's June. June's name is was actually Dorothy June Weichel. Now, she's not the only one that I've had that experience with. There have been some other people. Catherine McRae was another one. I cannot remember what Catherine's um, you know, name on her birth certificate was, but it wasn't Catherine. You know, some of you, when you go in the hospital, I already know, some of you do not go by the name on your birth certificate, which will be the name that they will have at the hospital. And uh, so I'll have to be asking, you know, for someone else as we go there. Um, I mentioned the last week to you that this week we would be looking at Nathaniel. Nathaniel wasn't always called Nathaniel in the, in the Bible, as you see that. Uh, he is sometimes referred to as Bartholomew. In the four lists of apostles that appear, Nathaniel's name doesn't appear, but Bartholomew appears in Scripture there in those places. Bartholomew is Hebrew. It means son of, of Ptolemy. And so Nathaniel, Nathaniel means, uh, you know, God has given. So Nathaniel would be, you know, Nathaniel, son of Ptolemy, or Nathaniel bar Ptolemy. Uh, bar just means son of. Uh, and though so that would be more his complete name. That's the guy we're going to look at today. Let's pray. We're going to turn to the scriptures and see what it has to say about him. Father, thank you for the, the, well, for us, that name above all names is just what crossed my mind right now. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of the glory of God the Father. Now, we've been looking at some of the apostles, and Father, they lived for the glory of God the Father. What can we learn from them? How can we step in some of the ways they did, how can we make ourselves more available to you? How, how can we have you transform our lives the way you transform these guys? That others might, uh, when they see us, praise our Father who's in heaven. That the way that we conduct ourselves might better reflect the God that you are and the people that we're becoming in Christ. 
So guide our thoughts as we look into your word. And as we look into our lives, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, the Gospel of John is really the only place we get a glimpse of Nathaniel Bartolome. Uh, John refers to him as Nathaniel. At the end of John's Gospel, in, in chapter 21, it says, After this, Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. Now, there's another one that has another name. That's the Sea of Galilee. Uh, he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, uh, called twin, Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, Zebedee's sons and two others of his disciples were together. I'm going fishing, Simon Peter said to them. We're coming with you, they told him. They went out and got into a boat, but that night they caught nothing. Well, this passage here at the end of the Gospel of John tells us that uh, Nathaniel was from Cana in Galilee. That's the place Jesus performed his first miracle. If you were going to Cana, you had to want to go to Cana. That wasn't on the way to anything. Um, you know, he talks about Nazareth, you know, and can anything good come from Nazareth? We're going to look at that passage as he says that in just a minute here. It's because Nazareth was an undescript town. Cana it was a little bit more undescript. It wasn't on the way to anything. There was nothing there, uh, you know, the, the, other than, than the people. You had to want to go to Cana. So he was really from a place that was undescript, except for the fact that Jesus performed his first recorded miracle there. Were there other miracles he did? Well, possibly, but the ones God wanted us to know about and are recorded in Scripture, there's the first one. He changed um, water into wine at a wedding celebration. Now, just so you know, that doesn't say, mean that you should go out and, you know, that, that, that doesn't okay the drinking of wine. That's going to be something you have to wrestle with with God. But the point here is, uh, you know, th- there was some exposure uh, there, and but Nathaniel was already was already following was already along with him but that's the that's the place he was from now it seems here from this passage at the end of of john's gospel that nathaniel is also a fisherman either that or he was so bored or so afraid uh you know or maybe so sorrowful after jesus was crucified uh, that he decided to go fishing with the others but this this episode at the end of john's gospel is not this your typical i'm going fishing episode it's not this you know it's not that type of endeavor they weren't going fishing for pleasure you know we are all of us here we go fishing you know just for kicks um you know and, and maybe to relax a little bit or to um you know just to be alone whatever the reason might be for us for them it was a little different and here what you what we see at the end of the gospel of john um this was not your you know hey let's go fishing moment what this really was was uh, well this thing with jesus didn't really work out so let's get back to let's get back to doing what we needed to do to make a living type of episode that's what it was it was they were a bit defeated they were a bit down they were a bit you know this this wasn't what we expected moment and so they went out and they were going fishing now last week we looked at john chapter one where philip responded to jesus invitation to follow him we're going to be in that chapter again today so if you want to turn to john chapter one it's on page 976 uh, what we're told there, as we looked the passage we looked at last week, we're told Philip, when he was when he came to uh, see Jesus, and he went and told Nathaniel. It seems they were probably good friends. Possibly they even worked together. Um, you know, it could be that uh, we're not told if Nathaniel was one of John the Baptist's disciples or not. Maybe he heard, maybe he heard uh, 
you know, as he was with John the Baptist, and maybe he heard John talk about Jesus, you know, at the baptism, after the baptism, we're not given some of those details. Whatever connection it was, they were close enough that Philip wanted Nathaniel uh, to, to find Nathaniel and tell him about Jesus. Now, we're going to start with the events that really lead up to that moment. Uh, John, the end of John chapter 1, drop down to verse 29. This is really the longest, um, the most informative passage we have to be able to get a picture of Nathaniel and what Nathaniel was like uh, as one of Jesus' disciples. So John chapter 1, drop down to verse 29. It says, The next day John saw Jesus, John the Baptist, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is the one I told you about. After me comes a man who has surpassed me because he existed before me. I didn't know him, but I came baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I watched the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and he rested on him. I didn't know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water told me, the one you see the Spirit descending and resting on, he is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testified that he is the Son of God. Now, keep your Bible open there, stick a marker in it or something. We're going to pick up here again in a minute. Uh, But John the Baptist's mission was to prepare the way uh, for Christ Jesus. That was his mission his responsibility. And he very boldly told people the message of that they needed to repent to change the direction of anything that was taking them away from God, you know, and, and whatever it was that was taking them away from God and to turn their life toward God to follow him. The same thing repentance would be for us. That whatever, if there is anything there that is taking you away from God, that you would turn from that and turn toward God. Some people say repentance means, you know, basically means a turning. But what it is a turning because you realize that what you're doing is is not of God and is not taking you towards God. And you turn and you go and you, you, you your behavior, actions, your motivation, all of that changes. You know, and there's that whole picture of repentance that he was calling people to. Uh, now, when Jesus came to be to John to be baptized, Jesus' identity as the Messiah, as the Christ, those are the same Christ, Messiah, Hebrew, Greek, uh, you know, it was confirmed to John. So he began, John then began a specific yet short-lived ministry of pointing directly to Jesus. It was short-lived because he was erect, uh, arrested and really uh, killed in short order there. But his, his ministry changed and from, as he prepared that way then to pointing to this is the guy. He's the one. He's, you know, he's the one right here. And here in John chapter one is John the Baptist is with his disciples as well as any others who may have been listening. John again had a bigger following. He had disciples, but there was a bigger following of people who would be there and listening to him. Uh, Whatever it is, whoever was there, they saw and heard this. When John says the next day, here is, is, this is the guy. This is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now, to them, this was a very clear reference to the Christ. This was a very clear reference to the Messiah. 
we only, we, you know, we only kind of catch on to it because, because somebody told us about it. For them, this was just really kind of a way of life. The Messiah, the Christ, you know, that they had been expecting here. And John had been telling them he was preparing the way for them. And now John says, you know, this guy I've been telling you about, this Messiah that we've all been waiting for, you know, here he is. This is the guy. He is the Christ. He is the one who takes away, the, he's the Lamb of God. You know, that Lamb of God. That picture of the Passover lamb and and applying of the blood. And he says, this is that lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is the one. He is it. Now, notice John also says in verse 30, you know, he says, this is the one I told you about. He says that he comes after me, a man who surpassed me because why? Because he existed before me. He existed before me. Physically speaking, you know, physically speaking, John the Baptist was about six months older than Jesus. Physically speaking. Now, you remember when when the angel came and told Mary that she was going to be expecting a child, that she was going to be giving birth to a child. And what did the angel say? Your relative Elizabeth, the one who was barren, who is said to be barren, is expecting a child. And she's now, with, she's now in her sixth month. And she was giving birth to John the Baptist. So physically speaking, John the Baptist was about six months older, you know, than Jesus. But the reality is that as God, you know, Jesus was always existed. So he did exist before John. You know, now, now John may not have realized all the implications at the time, but here he's giving testimony that Jesus is the Messiah and that Jesus was God. And if that wasn't clear enough, then he states in verse 34, I have seen and testified that he is the Son of God. Again, that term, Son of God, to them had a meaning that he was equal with God, that he was God. You will remember when Jesus claimed to be the Son of God, it says, Then they picked up stones to stone him, for he, being in their minds a mere man, was claiming equality with God. So he's giving all of these indications here. Uh, uh, of the fact that he is God and who and John is pointing directly to him and saying he is one he is God he is the Messiah he's the one we've been waiting for let's go a little bit further in John chapter 1 verse 35 says again the next day John was standing John the Baptist still John you know when you read in the gospel of John and talks about John we get a little confused just so you know, in the Gospel of John, John never refers to himself as John, okay? So every time you read John in the Gospel of John, it's not John, the author of the Gospel. Is that clear? Probably not. Again, the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples, verse 36. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. The two disciples who heard him say this and then followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and noticed them following him, he asked them, what are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and you'll see, he replied. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day. It was about 10 in the morning. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard John and followed him. He first found his own brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which means anointed one. And he brought Simon to Jesus. When Jesus saw him, he said, You are Simon, son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means rock. Now, again, we're going to pause here for a minute, but don't lose your place. 
You know, John the Baptist continues to tell the people about Jesus with that same message. He says, look, the Lamb of God. It's that same message. He is more specific. It's no longer just repent because he's coming. What he's saying now is here he is. Look, there is the Lamb of God. And we're told Andrew and John, two of John the Baptist's disciples, were there when, when this took place. They were with John when this took place. His disciples were looking for the Messiah. So when John pointed out, this is the Messiah, this is the one they've been looking for, they did the natural thing when he was identified, when he identified Jesus as the Lamb of God, the one they've been waiting for. Andrew and John began to follow Jesus. Literally, to walk behind him is what they're talking about here. When they say, you know, that they began to follow him, they are literally walking behind him, which is why it says, then Jesus turned to them and said, Boys, what you looking for? You know, because they were literally walking behind him. That type of following at this point. They didn't leave their jobs as fishermen till later. Uh, you know, when we see in the Gospels where he's walking by the shore and it says, Hey, follow me. And it says they left their nets and followed him. And we think, whoa, that's something. Now it was something. But they had already met Jesus here, you see. And it probably was a year, maybe even a year and a half after this where that they had been exposed to Jesus. You know, they had been following him as much as they could. And then they got to that point where Jesus was telling them, now's the time. Set that stuff aside. Let's go here with me. And where they did that, you see, and where they were following him more full time. At, at this point, you know, they're not really following him full time. They're just literally walking behind him. And then we're told, you know, Andrew was convinced and, you know, he recognized that Jesus was the Christ. So he did the normal thing, went and told his brother Simon. And Jesus says, you'll be called Cephas. And later he actually changes his name. You know, he changes his name to Peter. And then the passage we looked at last week, verse 43, is where it starts to unfold Nathaniel a little bit more. Verse 43, the next day he decided to leave for Galilee. Jesus found Philip and told him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the hometown of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law. And so did the prophets. Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nathanael asked him. Come and see, Philip answered. Now, again, just keep a marker there. We covered these last week looking at Philip. Today we just want to pull out a couple of things as we look at Nathaniel here. Now notice Nathaniel must have known the scriptures well, as well as, as Philip did, because Philip didn't have to explain much. What did he say to him? We found the one Moses and the law, uh, you know, the law and the prophets spoke about. We found this one that's written about. He didn't have to explain that to him. That's all he had to say were those phrases. He didn't have to explain what those phrases meant, because Nathaniel already knew what they meant. So he could recognize Jesus. He could recognize the Christ when he came. So, you know, whether he was a disciple of John the Baptist or not, what we're told here is, you know, he, he knew the word of God and he expected it to be fulfilled. Some people now know the word of God but don't really expect it to be true. And we can sometimes fall into that ourselves. We know the word of God, but we don't really expect it to be true. Now, Nathaniel here almost got tripped up by his own prejudice. Now, prejudice is feeling-based. You know, it's feeling-based. It's not based on facts. We like to put up a smoke screen 
that it's, you know, that it's based on facts. We like to pretend our feelings are based on fact, but really under, you know, any type of examination at all, that's not going to hold up. Prejudice simply rejects a person or a group of people based on a predetermined conclusion without any real interaction at the moment. And that's what we see going on here. When he says in verse 46, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Anything at all, Nathaniel asked him. You see, Nathaniel, he already came into the exchange holding this conclusion that nothing good could come out of Nazareth. Nathaniel came with that conclusion. He already came with that prejudice. He came there thinking, there is nothing, nothing good could possibly come out of Nazareth in his mind. It just wasn't going to happen. You know, he was from a, a little nondescript town. Nazareth, in his mind, was a little nondescript town. Nazareth was, you know, some by some accounts, a little bit uh, rough. A little bit, you know, perhaps even uneducated. But it wasn't a place where he would want to live. He was from Cana. Why in the world would he ever want to go to Nazareth? Because nothing good could come from Nazareth. You know, why would you want to live there? Put in whatever town or whatever part of town you have in your mind for that, and there's the picture that he has for that. There's no way anything good can happen there. You know, growing up in Chicago, whenever something bad happened, and I expected that it was going to be on the south side of the city. Uh, That's where I live, but, you know, I... And when it did, it's like, not surprised. Because, you see, we already had an attitude about that. We struggle with, well, here's the problem. We don't struggle with it. We just flat out begin to think that way and allow ourselves to continue to think that way and knock down a whole group, a whole whole crowd of people here. Nathaniel had that conclusion. Nothing good could come out of Nazareth. He wasn't only prejudiced. You see here, he expressed his prejudice. And in it, he condemned, he wrote off a whole group of people. Anyone that came from Nazareth, forget it. I don't need to waste my time with them. There's just nothing good that's going to happen there. So just forget it. Fortunately for him, he listened to his friend Philip. And he let scripture direct him. Because Philip said, the one Moses, the law in the law and the prophets wrote about. Philip still expresses his prejudice, but you see, he didn't let that control him. Instead, he let the word of God control him. We need to be able to do that same type of thing. We need to be able to trust God's word over our feelings. Trust his word over your feelings. That's the choice we most often face. Follow God's word or follow our feelings. I know what God's word says, I just don't feel like it. I know what God's word says, but I know what God wants me to do, except, you see, we begin to, and we begin to follow our feelings. Feelings direct us more than they should. They do. Feelings direct us more, they just flat out direct us more than they should. And your feelings can keep you from recognizing Jesus. 
Fortunately, Nathaniel didn't stay there. What he did was he stepped into his prejudice and he stepped into that and he went and looked. You see, our struggle is feelings change, but the word of God is sure. The word of God is true. But our feelings change. And when we let feelings direct us instead of the word of God, we, we, you know, we, we can be all over the map. Because feelings change. God's word is sure. God's word is true. What it tells, what God's word tells us about the past is true. What God's word says about future events is true. It will happen as well. You know, what God's word tells us about ourselves is true. Trust God's word over your feelings. Trust his word over your feelings. Know that his word is true and then live like you know it's true. Don't just make that mental, uh, you know, uh, saying yes, it's true. If you know that God's word is true, it should make a difference in your living. It should make a difference in your living here and now. If you know God's word is true, it should make a difference in your living every day. It should matter to us. Philip confronts Nathaniel's prejudice. It's good to have a friend who will do that for us. He says, he says, he tells Nathaniel, come and see. Confront that prejudice. He says, come and see. Follow along. Verse 47. Let's pick up. Nathaniel did just that. You see, Nathaniel does it. And that's what we see here in verse 47. Then Nathaniel saw, then, excuse me, then Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him. <coughs> you see, he was stepping into that prejudice. He saw Nathaniel coming toward him and said about him, Here's a true Israelite. No deceit is in him. How do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you, Jesus answered. Rabbi, Nathaniel replied, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Verse 50, Jesus responded to him, do you believe only because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater signs than this. Then he said, I assure you, you will, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Now here you see, Nathaniel was open. He was open to learning more. Philip told him, come and see. And Nathaniel did just that. He you know, Philip said, here is one. He, 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 he corresponds to what we see in the law. He corresponds to what we see in the prophets. Come and see. Come and look yourself. And he was open to doing it. We need to be open to learn more about Jesus. You know, we need to be open to that. Here's the thing you need to realize. If you are really open to learning more, then you will be doing something about learning more. You can't just say I'm open to it and not do anything. You'll be, if you're really open to learning more, you will do something about it. You will read more. You will study more. You will pray more. You will listen more. If you're really open to learning and learning more about Jesus, you will do more. You will actually put some effort into learning more. You, you know, you won't, you won't, you know, simply say that you want to learn more and wait for the, you know, truck of knowledge to pull up and drop a package off at your house. You know, you, you will, you know, this morning when I got up and as I was getting ready um, 
to leave. And then I remembered, yeah, when I was sitting there yesterday, I heard the mail truck come, and I heard them come and lay a package at the door, and I kind of forgot about it. Well, here's hoping it was nothing that couldn't freeze. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, so I walked out there, and I picked up the box, and I brought it in. You know, that isn't how you get knowledge. You don't just order it online and wait for the knowledge truck to show up and go out there and pick it up. If you know, if you are, if you say you are open to learning more, then you have to put some effort into it. You have to put effort into learning more, studying more, reading more. Simply reading more is going to help. Um, I think I remember to put the Bible reading charts out there. We had some out there, and they were all gone. And somebody asked about more. Did you see if there's? I think there's some out there. Uh, Just reading more, reading and paying attention, and and praying more, listening more, listening more to God. How do you do that? Well, a lot of different ways. One is reading His Word. Others are, you know, my goodness, we we live in a society where you can listen. You could listen to stuff online all day about Jesus. Now, always make sure it lines up with God's word, okay? There's a lot of wackies out there, too. Uh, you know, so, you know, get, get a hold of somebody that, you know, that, you know, is decent. If you're wondering who it is, who some are, ask me, I'll, I can, can give you some names, you know, but there's, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of cockeyed shooters out there, uh, you know. But but, but we, you know, we have enough there that we can that we can hear that we can listen. For one thing, here's one that will work for you: you can listen to the Bible online on a podcast. Anything else? There's a good one for you. I don't read much. Okay, then listen to it. And you don't read much. Suck it up. Put on your big boy pants and learn to read. You know. I, I mean, just, 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 you read other stuff, you know. You read the menu at McDonald's, you know, if nothing else. I, get, you know, put some effort into it. Put some effort into it. I want to learn more than, than, than put some effort into learning. Anyway. Did you notice here how Jesus addressed Nathaniel? Look at verse 47. It says, then, Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him, said about him, here is a true Israelite. No deceit is in him. Wow. It's not, it's not that Nathaniel was perfect. We already saw that he wasn't. He had prejudice. He expressed his prejudice. We already saw he wasn't. But he was honest. He was sincere. He was wanting to be better. You know, we all want to hear, you know, when we, when we step out of this life and into eternity, we all want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your master's rest. You know, we all want to hear that, you know, at the end of our walk, at the end of our walk in this life, and the end of our walk with Jesus, we want to hear that. But how cool would it be to be called a true follower of Christ with no deceit in us at the beginning? Of his walk. At the very beginning of his walk with Jesus. You know, the, the word that he, you, you know, you're a true, you know, that here is a true Israelite. Some of the translations say, here is an Israelite indeed. That word indeed, true. It means, that, that word means truly, genuinely. Here is one who is truly, you know, who is truly in his. Here is one who is truly following God. Here is one who is genuinely following God. What he was saying is, here's a guy who is not just being religious. This guy isn't just being religious here. 
he had a growing faith, you know, and he grew more as he continued to recognize Jesus. It's the same word that's used in John 8, 31, when it says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. Some of the translations say you are truly my disciples. You know, you are truly, genuinely, you are genuinely one of my disciples. Nathaniel was authentic. He was authentic in his life for God. No hypocrisy, no pretend. He was sincere. He was genuine in wanting to learn more. And notice Nathaniel asked Jesus, verse 48, how do you know me? Nathaniel was curious, maybe, maybe a bit suspicious of this guy from Nazareth, the town he felt nothing good can come from. Nobody good can come from Nazareth. So how is it that you, this Nazarite guy, how is it you would know me? You know, he, he's, he's, but the dots were very quickly connected. Very quickly, everything was connected for Jesus. You know, now Jesus hadn't been there when Philip, you know, when Philip came to him and he, you know, he tells him, you know, when, you know, when, when Philip came to you under the fig tree, now under the fig tree is where they would often sit to study. Was Philip study? We don't, or Nathaniel studying? We don't know. But the possibility certainly is there that that's what would happen. You know, it, it was hot. It was dry. Uh, the air conditioning cost a lot of money back then. Uh, so they would, they would sit outside, you know, and they would sit in the shade of the fig tree and learn and study God's word. That was often a place, you know, where they would go. And it, Pastor Kent goes to McDonald's to study. Uh, but you know, but, uh, you know, wherever it is, you know, that, so, you know, and so that's where, and, and he says, when Philip came to you under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathaniel, but you weren't there. How in the world? And these dots are quickly getting connected for him there. You know, it, only God could do that. Only God could know the sincerity of his heart. Here is this true Israelite. That just, only God would know these things. And Nathaniel listens to Jesus, and it didn't take him long. And his response actually seems like he was a bit surprised. Verse 49, Rabbi, you are, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. You know, it seems a bit surprised there. And remember, he started out with a pre- prejudicial bent away from, away from believing that anybody from Nazareth could come. And he was thinking that this, this guy certainly wasn't going to be it. Now he recognized Jesus. Jesus fit the Scriptures. Jesus knew Nathaniel's heart. You know, Jesus saw him when he wasn't even physically present there, and he saw him, and only God can do this. And Nathaniel's a little surprised. You know what? As you read more, as you study more, as you pray more, as you listen more, be willing to have Jesus surprise you. Be willing to have him touch your life in ways that you never expected. With things going on that you never knew were there. You see, he has all the answers to your problems. You don't. He has all the knowledge to guide you properly. You don't. He understands all of the ramifications and details of what's going on. You don't. 
He knows how all of these pieces fit together and all of this disjointed stuff that we think is in our life and how in the world this could all work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And he knows how all of that fits together. And you don't. Be willing to have him surprise you. And I have to say it, when you recognize Jesus, respond to Jesus. When you recognize him, respond. That's what Nathaniel did. And Jesus took him deeper. Jesus took him further. Jesus took him higher than he ever dreamed possible. In that walk together with him. Changed his life, transformed his life. This passage in John here and the one at the end where he went fishing, those are really the only pictures we get of Nathaniel in the scriptures other than his name Bartholomew showing up in four different lists of the apostles. Some early church histories indicate that Nathaniel took the gospel to Persia, India, Armenia, it says. There's several accounts of his death. None of them are you know, particularly reliable. One says that he was tied up in a sack and thrown into the sea. Uh, Another one says that he was crucified. But by all accounts, like all of the other apostles except for John, he was crucified for, he was, excuse me, he was martyred for his faith. And he gave his life for this man that he questioned at first. The picture is of a man from an undescript town with some baggage of his own. He recognized Jesus and he responded to Jesus and he sincerely and wholeheartedly followed Jesus the rest of his life. May that be something that's true for us as well. To wholeheartedly follow Jesus the rest of our lives. Let's pray. Father, you are a God of mercy and a God of grace. You are a God who puts up with us even in our foolishness. Those times in which we utter some stupid things and you continue to reach out to us and love us and graciously show us who you are. We need to understand more, Father. We need to be taken deeper. As we read your word, continue to reveal yourself to us. As we go through life and we reflect on what we've read and what we've studied and what we know about you, help us to recognize you at work in us, through us, and around us. Help us to be those who follow you, who don't doubt, but who follow you all the days of our life. Help us to be people who will stand before you with no regrets because we've done what we could to be yours. These we pray in Christ's name. Amen.